I want to believe, but isn't that a great question? And isn't it a great question to, to be able to communicate in this day, in this time, in this community? San Jose, Silicon Valley, uh, is, is such a, 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 has a worldwide impact. Uh, people of influence live here. They, we are influencing people. If, if, if there's a cultural uh, shift that's happening, it may not always start here, but the message is going uh, to spread here. It's going to go throughout the world as a result of, of the, the tech industry here. I want to believe. And I think every, down deep, everybody does want to believe. They, they want to know that there's something more. Is, they don't want to go through life and just at the end of life say, well, is this kind of what, is this all there was? Uh, I want to believe, but. I just want to challenge us as Christians today, those of you who are here and you're believers, you, you know Jesus Christ, and maybe you haven't thought about this very much. Maybe, maybe faith was easy for you. Well, it's not, it doesn't come easy for everybody. Um, Faith is sometimes a journey for people to hear the message and to process it and to hear what God wants to do in their lives. I want to believe, but... So if you're here and you're a believer, I want to challenge you to be thinking through today as we walk through the message. Uh, be thinking through, how does this impact you as a believer? How can you reorient your thinking so that you're able to communicate the gospel and communicate these truths to people who are asking this very same question? If, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you just kind of showed up, um, maybe wandered in off the street, man, I'm glad you're here because this is a, this is a great series of messages to be able to uh, really address some of the key critical issues about God and the gospel in that way. Uh, today's big question is, I, I want to believe, but God, you don't, you don't seem to care. You don't seem to care. And some people view God as this, this heartless God. Well, if, if God is so loving, and these are some of the key questions, if, if he's so powerful, wouldn't he put an immediate stop to all injustice right now? If, if he really had a heart, if he really cared, there wouldn't be any problems in this world. I mean, people think that. If God is real and God says that he's all-powerful, then why aren't things any different? Why is there suffering? Why do we pick up the newspaper and there's so, so much confusion? If he's loving, wouldn't he be motivated to set right all the injustices right now? Wouldn't he bring all those things into alignment today? Uh, he, he would look down and he would have compassion on us and he would see our hurts and our sorrows and he would say, okay, I, I see and I have compassion on you, so let's, let's reorder everything. So... Uh, so it's perfect now. That doesn't seem to happen. And people are legitimate. They have legitimate questions when they ask these kinds of things. Third question is, if he's all-knowing, how can he let evil continue? Well, surely if, if God is all-knowing, he would see these things, and he would take action to reorient those things. That's a crucial question. If God really cares, why does he allow so many bad things to happen in this world? People have been trying to answer this question for how many years? Ever since there's been humanity? Ever since... And so I'm not here to answer necessarily every detail or, or, or address this on a philosophical level. I want to bring the Scripture truth to answering these questions and maybe bring a different approach to answering these questions. These, the answers to these questions don't necessarily come from reading philosophy 
although you can get some pretty good stuff from the philosophers over the ages. The answers to these questions don't necessarily come from your emotions or your feelings. Well, God must be this way because I feel he must. Or, and, and this is where I land, uh, I try to answer these questions with my own logic. Uh, God, uh, uh, surely God must be this way because X plus Y equals Z. And so it's got to be this way because this is the way I think it should be. And this is how things should be in order. And so in trying to answer questions, we often bring our own experience, our own emotions, our own intellect to try to answer these questions. But I want to bring the scriptural truth to this today and, and see how bringing God's truth uh, brings a different perspective on answering these questions. The answers come not from our own, our own intellect, but they come from knowing God, and they come from knowing how he reveals himself to us. Trouble is, we live in a great time of discontinuity, don't we? Discontinuity when, well, we just think all things should be in order, but they're not. They're not. And we, we see evidence of that all around us. Uh, we're, we live in a day and time when we are more enlightened where we should be. We should be more enlightened than any other people of any time in history. Why? Because we have access to knowledge. We can figure things out. If I've got a question, how long does it take me to find the answer? How many milliseconds does it take to, you know, to press enter and get the answer? Of, uh, so we, we, can, we can get answers from all over to try to answer these questions about this discontinuity. But let me read a scripture to us that I want us to consider to describe our current reality right now. I consider that our present sufferings, this is in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 21. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. And I want you to see some of these key words that are, that are highlighted there. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Let's just pause there for a minute. Did you see some of those highlighted words? This is the Apostle Paul who really gets the gospel. He really understands what it means to follow after Christ when it's hard. And so here's how he's describing creation, how he's describing the world. Our current reality is described as our present sufferings. Now, who's he talking to here? He's, he's writing this letter. He's writing, literally writing the letter to the people in Rome. That's why they call it the book of Romans. So he's writing this letter. He describes the world as uh, our present sufferings. He talks about, for creation was subjected to what? To frustration. And then, uh, then he goes on to say, in hope that the creation of itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. So this is the Apostle Paul talking to believers about the current reality. This doesn't sound very exciting, does it? This, this sounds like there's a lot, of, a lot of churn. There's a lot of angst in the world. There's a, there's, th things aren't set right just yet. Now, the Apostle Paul has a, a, a relationship with Jesus, but at the very same time, he understands that the world is not all set in order. Not everybody is aligned under the lordship of Jesus Christ just yet. And, and to read on in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 22, 
Paul goes on to say, and we know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have uh, the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly our adoption to the sonship and redemption of our bodies. Now, look at the highlighted words here, groaning, groan inwardly. Do you feel like this sometimes? No. I want to be a happy, joyous believer, and I feel like in many ways I am, and we all want that. But at the same time, we know that we, we are up against the challenges of life. And, and even those of us who are believers, we sometimes ask these same very, question, very same questions of God. God, if you're there, are you, are you going to make an impact? Why don't you change things? But especially those people that don't have a frame of reference in the gospel, how are they going to answer these questions? Especially even when Paul describes the whole world as, as groaning. There is discontinuity. We're always trying to set things right. I went to, to uh, showed up and did my duty and jury duty last week. And uh, I'm, I'm one of those few, I guess there's not many of us, but I'm one of those few that when I get called, I know I'm the only one in my family, that when we get called, Man, pick me. I'd, I'd love to serve on a jury. I just think that's fascinating. I love it. And so there were 200, and, I don't know, 200 people in this big jury pool, and they called out 75, and I wasn't among. They called out the next 75. I wasn't among them, so I got sent home by noon. I didn't get a chance to uh, serve on the jury. But as I, as I got to see that, how that whole jury system works, it just was a reminder of how we do our very best in the United States of America, in the county that I live in and that you live in, to, to ensure that people are, get, get, get a fair trial, that there is justice. Now, it's not perfect. Sometimes it's way imperfect. But the truth is, our, our whole world groans. Uh, we, we stopped and got gas right before we came here um, on the main road out here. And we saw that there was a cross and some flowers and right there by that gas station. Somebody got murdered. Erin looked it up on her phone. She looked, why are these flowers here? Somebody in 2016 got shot to death, and four people got uh, uh, arrested for that murder. So th things, things happen like this that just crush people. And so it's obvious that, we, that, that the world is groaning and that, um, that we need to be able to address these truths as believers from a Christian, from a biblical perspective. So if I were able to bring some perspective to this, would that be helpful to you? Good, because I want to do that right now. I want to give you, I want to give you one hard truth and two encouraging truths, okay? Let's start with the hard truth first. A hard truth and two encouraging truths. The hard truth is this. All people experience the pain of a broken world. All people experience the pain of a broken world. I think this is important for us to think about. And let me just give a full disclosure that if I'm a believer in Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. And if I want people who don't know Jesus to follow him, wouldn't I want to paint the best picture of the gospel that I possibly could? Wouldn't I want to sell it to them? And I'd want to sell it to them in a way that would, that would make the gospel seem the most attractive. But here's the hard truth. If we're going to be honest about the gospel, the hard truth is we have to say that just because you become a Christian, become a follower of Christ, 
doesn't mean you're going to escape the pains of this world. If anything, it might be just the opposite. Because when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now, you become more countercultural than ever in our lifetimes. And so you're swimming upstream theologically and culturally and socially and politically oftentimes. Uh, so, so for us to, to come to Jesus in that way, we just need to understand a hard truth that, that all people experience pain of a broken world. So the full disclosure, if you want to know Jesus, then fasten your seatbelt. The Apostle Paul tells us that there is pain, that there is suffering. Peter, who also was one of the leaders in the early church in his letters that we'll look at in a few moments, he also says to us and ensures us that if you want to follow Jesus, that you are going to be ensured that there will be suffering, that there will be persecution. And he, and he says, I want you to be encouraged by that. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute. If I'm trying to sell the gospel, that's not what I want to lead with. But yet, if we're going to communicate the gospel, we have to have full disclosure on all of these things. Um, the word death comes up when we talk about the gospel. Jesus died a bloody death. And he asks us to die to ourselves and be willing to die on his behalf. Full disclosure, pain and suffering are inherent in the Christian life. That's the hard truth. That's the hard truth when we look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was one who followed hard after Jesus. What did that get him? When he went and communicated the gospel to people who didn't know Jesus, what kind of welcome did he often get? Well, he often got chased out of town by the religious leaders in that town, and he got beaten and, in many cases, left for dead. And guess what he would do? Wash himself off, clean himself up, and he would go to the next town, and guess what? He would go and he'd preach the gospel. He would do that. Why? Because he knew that that was an expectation of following after Jesus, that there would be hardships and trials. There are three sources of pain and suffering I just want to, to, to talk to, with you about right now. Three sources. Some pain and suffering we directly bring on ourselves. Are you familiar with that? Has anybody caused pain in your own life because of your own dumb choices? Has anybody tried to defy the laws of gravity and win? I've tried on several occasions. In fact, this last week, one of, my, one of the things that I enjoy doing in my just uh, to stay fit is I like running the trails. Uh, in the Bay Area, we have a, a network of trails that are just a ton of fun. And single-track trails are the best. Single-track trails, when there's a lot of people, aren't the best because there's a lot of people coming your way. So this, this week, I was running a trail, had a lot of curves, it was kind of technical, and had four people coming my way. And so we're, I'm trying to squeeze past them, and they get over on one side, and I get past the fourth person, and I'm paying attention, trying to be nice, trying to, you know, and, and what I'm not paying attention to is the fact that my foot hit a root, and I literally, literally did a, a, like a barrel roll, a barrel roll. It was a soft landing. I've, I've fallen enough to know kind of how to do it. But I'm laying there, and I'm looking up, and the four people, they turn around and they start gawking at me. And uh, not gawk, they were very kind. They were very kind, but I felt gawked at. So not only did I feel the injury of a stubbed toe and a couple of scrapes, 
I had the, the double injury of a bruised ego at the very same time. And I brought that pain, why? As a direct consequence of the fact that I wasn't paying attention. It was my own fault. I was laying there with the bruised ego and a bruised body. Direct consequences. That's one way that we feel the pain. Another way is that the collateral damages. Collateral damage. We live in a sinful world. Not every pain you feel is a a direct cause of something that you've done. Uh, just because we're all sinners doesn't mean all the, thing, the bad things that happen to us are a result of our sin. Sometimes the bad things that happen to us are an indirect result of, the, of sin in, in this world. The fact that there are bad people or careless people that do things. Uh, earlier this week, Rhonda and I were uh, uh, parking our car. We went and we got a cup of coffee and we sat on a bench on the street, uh, on the sidewalk overlooking uh, a street. So we were just sitting there having a good time and we saw this pickup truck pull in and he was gonna, there was plenty of room for him to park and he put it in reverse and he backs up hard, hard right into the, um, uh, what was it, a Toyota, the, right into the Toyota car. Really nice car, so he backs hard into it. He had one of those ball joints on the back of his pickup truck. And so, bless his heart, he gets out of the car, he parks it, he gets out of his pickup truck, he goes and looks at the car, and he gets down, he looks at the license plate, he starts fiddling with it, it's all crunched in, and the license plate comes off in his hand. So he's standing there with a license plate, and, and, the, and the poor Toyota driver wasn't even there. So they're going to come. So we just left. Just like. But I'm just imagining being the Toyota driver coming out of wherever they come out of, and they see the fact that somebody crashed into their car, and there's these guys standing there. They did nothing. All they did was park a car. So indirectly, now that's just a small thing. It's a bumper. I mean, there, there's a, there a lot of people that suffer very horrific lives. Because other people in their lives live out sin in that way. Does that make sense? So, so yes, we feel pain sometimes because of our own stupidity, our own recklessness, our own rebellion. But sometimes we feel pain because there are others who live out pain in their lives. Then there's a third. Sometimes there's no explanation, no connection whatsoever. We have no idea. You wake up one day. And you have a stroke. You don't wake up thinking, oh, the, the, my, my, my life is going to change for the rest of my life because I get sick. Or, and we don't wake up thinking, oh, somebody around me is going to die. It's going to tear my... You wake up going through life thinking every day is going to be normal. Not every day is normal. Not every day is normal. I'm thinking of Tia Coleman, just briefly. Tia Coleman, she was in the news last month. She and her family were out uh, for a, uh, a family uh, reunion in Branson last month. And uh, she and nine others in her family w- had uh, reservations to get on one of those boats out in Branson, Missouri. And uh, they showed up to be able to go at their appointed time at the appointed place. And they realized, uh, as they were told by the, the person who was operating the system there, said, well, you're at the wrong place and the wrong time, but we'll change your tickets so that all 10 of you can get on the boat. So the tickets were changed. They got on the boat. The weather was fine, and you know the story. You've heard it. Uh, the, the weather uh, turned almost immediately. The wind came. The boat sank, went straight down. Tia Coleman was part of that family 
of 10, where she was the only one survived, she lost nine family members, age 1 to 70, that day. They woke up that day to celebrate, to have fun together, to enjoy. They had no idea, she had no idea that day she was going to lose everybody in her family, including some of her own children, in that way. Bad things happen to innocent people. Yeah, now we live in an area of lawsuits, this and that and the other, but I'm just saying that there's no lawsuit that's going to make things get into alignment. Only the gospel can do that. Here's another thing. Good things happen to bad people. Did you know that? Don't you hate that? Don't you wish that everybody who speeds past you would get caught by the police? Good things happen to bad. They don't get caught. There's a lot of very wealthy people who got their wealth from uh, ill-gotten means. That's life. That happens. There is no justice that's going to put everything into alignment. Three sources of pain and suffering. Some are our fault. Some are other people's fault. And some we just can't say it. It's anybody. It just happens. And so I want to challenge us today as we look at this uh, scripture to have an eternal perspective. For many, life becomes little more than pain management and comfort control. Did you know that? Uh, in this day and time, it's like people don't see past this weekend or they don't see past their retirement or whatever to see that there's an eternal perspective. And so, so life is all about just minimizing the pain, minimizing the risk, maximizing the comfort in the best way that we know how. I don't blame anybody for doing that. Did you know I do that? On occasion, I like to curl up in the fetal position and get comfortable. It's just nice. No, just take a break. Truth is, everybody seeks their own comfort in that way, but there's a bigger story. There's a bigger picture that God has a far greater perspective, and it's an eternal perspective. In the scripture that we looked at, um, <clears throat> the, the word glory was used. The freedom and the glory of the children of God is talking about a future glory. It's an eternal perspective. Paul's perspective was this. He saw the things that happened in his life as he described them. I love this term. He described them as light and momentary affliction. That's a good Bible word. Light and momentary affliction. Now, what was, he was in jail when he, write that, when he wrote that. This is a light and momentary affliction. He was being put in jail and persecuted for his faith. And so he also had this eternal perspective in that way. There's another scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. This is to believers. Your believer in the room, listen to this. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Did you hear that? He's talking about the suffering, and he says, uh, be, be overjoyed about this. Be overjoyed not in the suffering, but be overjoyed uh, when the glory of God is revealed. And so uh, one, of the, uh, one of the tests of maturity is, are you able to put off desirable things till later? Delayed gratification I hate delayed gratification on a lot of things. A lot of things, you know, like we, you, you talked about in your first message, when we, when we click that button on Amazon Prime, you know, we want next day or day after. We, we want our stuff now, and we want to track it. I, you know, I, I love doing that as much as the next guy. We want that stuff now, but, but 
Paul, Peter is saying, I want you to have an eternal perspective as well. That day in the future when the glory of God is revealed. Let's be looking at that. Yes, we do have afflictions. Yes, things are not yet put in order. They will be, but not yet. I want you to be looking for the glory of God. So Peter was saying, stay faithful in spite of your suffering. What about Peter? There's another guy who followed after Jesus. And he was a leader in the early church. And he was, uh, the historians tell us, that he was the pastor of the church in Rome. And, uh, and it was right around the time when Nero came up. And, uh, and the church began to be persecuted because they began to say the, tell lies about the church and persecute the church in that way. And so the persecution got so tough against the church that, that Peter was put in jail. And he was put in jail, as some, one historian says, for, for nine months. And at the end of the nine months, in 67 A.D., he, he got convicted and he was put to death. And they were going to put him to death, as the Romans do, on, on, on that cross and crucify him, as they did Jesus. That was a common way of execution at that time. And Peter, Peter says, you know, I don't, I don't mind being executed for Jesus but I don't want to be executed in the same way. And his one desire was, if you're going to hang me on the cross, at least do it upside down so I'm not hung in the same fashion as Jesus. Persecution, suffering, it's part of the game. It's part of following Jesus. Now, I've spent a lot of time on the hard truth. Are you ready for some of the encouraging words now? Okay, I know i got to die for Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like? In reality, well, here's an encouraging truth that I want you to hear. An encouraging truth is that God has a purpose in your pain. God has a purpose in your pain. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. This is 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, once again, who was crucified for his faith. He says this earlier in his ministry. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though they are refined, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So two things here, proven genuineness. What is the purpose behind uh, the pain in our lives? God can use that to try us, to test us, to make us better, to refine us in that way. And then there's also the result. So there's the current testing, then there's the future. The future result is what? And praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. That's the future. That's the delayed gratification. I suffer now because I know God's got greater things ahead. Proven genuineness. I used to work... Uh, in a, uh, a chemical analysis laboratory where we did testing of water, wastewater, um, sewage, sewage waste, all of that kind of stuff. It, it happens, you know, it, it does. And, and so it gets tested and you got to test it and make sure it's, it's clean and you can, anyway. So one of the tests that we did was to, to a test that called total volatile solids. Volatile means what? Burn off, burns off. It's something that's volatile. So, so when something is exposed to he high enough heat, it will burn. And so we took, took material, sludge material, put it in a, a crucible, took the crucible and put it in a, a furnace that fired it in 555 degrees Celsius. And, 
And that which burned off was the volatile solids. That which remained was the non-volatile. And so that helps those who uh, do the cleanups, help them understand how to better clean it up. And so that, I, I, it was fascinating to me to, to see the crucible put into the oven, and you had to use tongs that are about three feet long because you can't get close to that fire, that, that, that muffled furnace in that way. And, and it's also interesting, too, that, that the same process is used to refine gold, to make gold more pure. Uh, the, the melting point, did you know every, all metals have a melting point? If you get anything, you know, most things hot enough, it's going to melt. The melting point for gold is 1,000 degrees centigrade. And so, again, you take uh, gold uh, and, and you put it into a crucible, put it into oven, turn it up to 1,000 degrees, and it begins to melt and bubble. And you know what bubbles up to the top? The impurities. The impurities. And so there are... Uh, Gold has been refined this way for, for hundreds of years, even thousands of years. And so it really hasn't changed much. It might be just a little more technically and a little safer right now to do it. But that's the way gold is refined and made more pure. That's an illustration of what happens to us. When we're put through the fire, it's not so that it would burn us up. It's so that which is permanent, the gospel of Jesus Christ, would remain non-volatile. And that which is temporary, that which is, it doesn't serve God well, that, that which doesn't honor God would burn up and would be gone and leave that which is pure. And so that's the encouraging word. God has a purpose in your pain. Secondly, another encouraging truth is this, is that God is present in your pain. He doesn't just wind up this world and throw it out there and say, oh, fend for yourselves. Uh, let me know when the world is over, and, uh, and I'll, I'll check back in with you. No. He's present in our pain. He's there with us. I got a, a picture from my, my daughter's, uh, from my daughter. It was a picture that she took of her son this week. He's about a year and a half old. He's learning how to walk and learning how to run, and he's, he's like me. He's learning how to fall, okay? And so the picture that she sent was, uh, poor young Nate, he's got scratches right up here on the side of his face because he took a little header and he, doesn't, he didn't learn the technique of doing the barrel roll like I did. He's going to learn that. I'm going to teach him over time. But he went face first onto the concrete. And so she sent that picture. And, oh, I just, I felt when I saw that. You know, when I see somebody else's kid get hers, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Sorry that happened to your kid. When I see my daughter's son get hurt, it's like, oh, I, f I feel something more visceral, something right here in the gut. You know what I mean? Because it's personal, because I love that boy. I know that boy. Um, I, and so while I was not present with him, my, my heart was with him. And I know my daughter, I, I know how she is with him, and I know that she um, just didn't leave him to cry on the ground like that. She scooped him up, and she mothered him, and she... And, Every little boy needs a mom, right? Every big boy needs a mom, <laughs> frankly. Um, and so she was present in his pain. And we, as we saw that picture, we tried to be as present as we could be. God is present in our pain. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present 
help. God, why do you let bad things happen? You know, if you really cared, if you really were all-powerful, you would change things. No, God says, I want to be present with you and walk with you through it. I want to be with you. I, I am there with you. Another scripture says, my, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul was, was talking about his own pain that he was describing. And as he was talking about it, here was the message he got back from God. But he, Paul was saying, but he, God, was saying to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Jesus said to Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, insults, in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, hear this, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's counterintuitive. Our culture says, when I am strong, then I am strong. When I have enough money, then I am strong. When my relationships are really working and clicking well, then I'm strong. When everything's kind of going good, when at the end of the month I've got money left over, then I'm strong. When I got a chance to go on a vacation this year and I didn't last year, then I am strong. What, is, what, what does the Bible teach us? The Bible says the eternal perspective is when I am weak, when my dependence is fully, totally, 100% upon God the Father through Christ the, the Son, through the Holy Spirit, when that happens, then I'm strong. Then I'm strong. Oh, who wants to hear that? Oh, no, that means I'm going to have to live through pain. I've got news for you. Whether you follow Christ or you don't follow Christ, there is pain. <laughs> okay? And so you might as well, you know, if we're going to get, like, uh, logical about this, if there's going to be pain anyway, you might as well allow the Father come to be your comforter during those times of pain. One illustration, and then I'll, then I'll close up. Um, I had an opportunity many years ago to, um, to go with a group of believers to partner up with some other Christians um, in, in Kenya and in the city of Nairobi. It was, a, it was a great time to connect with believers from another country. It's the first time I'd done that. It was great um, just to see their faithfulness. Uh, even though they lived in poverty, they, they loved Jesus and they, they followed after him. There, there was one, of the, one character I'll never forget. His name is William Fondo a local, a local believer. He wasn't a preacher, but he was just a solid guy who loved Jesus. And he was kind of assigned to our group to kind of help us along. And, and so we had a group of a uh, dozen people or so that went out and, uh, and had some time off, and we were kind of walking through the streets of Nairobi and stopping in different stores. And I would always look around uh, as I was walking down. I'd look, and there's, there's William right here, right here behind the group. And we'd be in the store and, and, you know, be scattered throughout the store. And there'd be William kind of posted, posted himself in the corner. He'd be looking, not just at us, but he'd be looking to see if there was any danger to us. And I asked him, hey, William, it seems like you're everywhere. What's, what, what's going on here? And he said, well, he, 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 wasn't, he was not a big verbose guy, but, but he said, well, there's a lot of danger in the city. So people see Americans. And they know that they're a target. He said, I was there to watch to make sure that none of that happened. And if it did, that I would intercede for you. I thought, William Fondo, huh? He was protecting me, and I didn't even know it. He was there. 
he, was, he saw the danger and he was ready. Uh, and I, I believe he was the kind of character that would have physically interceded had that become necessary. Oh, my goodness. So much more is God posted in a way that he's present in our troubles. He's watching. Oh, well, you look around, God's there. We don't even know he's there, but he's there. He's there. There are some very good questions to be asked, and the Bible answers them. If God is all-powerful, why, is why doesn't he stop things? No, he, he wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be refined, and he wants to walk with us through the hurt and the pain. Is that a satisfying answer to the philosopher? Maybe not. Is that a satisfying answer to someone who can't live with injustice? No, probably not. Is it, is it God's answer? Yes, it's God's answer to reveal himself as one who created us with the desire that we would have a relationship with him and that he would be present with us and that we, he would walk just as we did in the garden, hand in hand with him. Let me just bring it down and then I'll close. Pain and suffering is not the final word in the scriptures. The final word in the scriptures are triumph and redemption. I read uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 23 a while ago, where it used the word redemption. Things are broken now. God's going to buy it back and make it whole. Redemption, that's a future state. He bore himself, our, he bore on himself our sins in his body on the cross. Jesus Christ didn't escape the affliction. He was crucified unjustly for a crime he didn't commit. There was no justice in it. God took that tragic situation and the justice that he brought out of it was in Jesus' death, our sins died with him. If we believe in him, we can let God bear our cross, bear our burdens. This is the gospel message that applies directly to, the, to, to, to this idea that, that we serve a heartless God. God gave himself by his wounds, by Jesus' wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. He himself bore our sins. God is bringing all things under the alignment of his son, Jesus Christ. But he's not going to force you to do that. If you're here today and you're not a believer, and, and the Lord might be resonating uh, this message in your heart, I would just invite you to come to know Jesus and make that commitment. Trust Jesus enough that he will be present with you as you walk through the struggles. Trust Jesus enough. If you're here and you're a believer and you still struggle with some of these same questions, man, cast, cast your cares upon Jesus. He cares for you. He's not leaving you without presence. He's bringing the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Let Jesus carry your pain on your behalf. Stake your life on the reality that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. If you reorient your life around that reality, then he will transform you. And he will walk with you through that pain and on into eternity, into glory. Last sentence is this. Life is not about managing your pain. The singular purpose of this life is to bring Jesus Christ gain. Pain management. Life's too short for that. Allowing God to live in us and through us he must increase, and I must decrease. I hope this is helpful to you today as you leave today, 
that you would have a greater sense of understanding. But if, if you're here today and you need to do some eternal business with Jesus, do that today. Don't just walk away with a better understanding. Some of you need to walk away with a transformed heart as you submit it to Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this word. We're just so grateful to you that you speak to us through your word. And we pray, Lord, um, that you would give our hearts knowledge that you have for us, that you would give, um, Father, our hearts the understanding, that you would give us the opportunity, Lord, to now even uh, transform our hearts as we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray.